This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the non of a podcast and this week it is the preview show and I'm sorry to report that Natalie is not with us this week and so you're stuck with me George Poole and I'll be your host today but there is good news thankfully we've still got Dave of course and even better news this week because I'm not it's not chaos with George Poole and Tom Whitaker it's stability with George Poole and Adam Dennett. Adam good evening. Well, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. We'll wait and see. But um, yeah, um, it's good to be back on. It's been uh, been sharpening my elbows, trying to get past a few of the other panellists to get on a show because uh, everyone's been desperate with all the excitement of the last few months. So yeah, good to be back on. And uh, just a quick one, Adam. What We'll talk about it a bit more in depth la- later on, but what's your abiding reaction from, from the first four games of the season? Have you enjoyed it? Um, I'm, I'm going to... Hopefully, don't put a downer on things straight away. But um, I found it quite difficult, to be honest. Um, obviously, we know that we've got to be patient. We know that there's been wholesale changes to personnel, the way we're going to play, obviously, the management um, and the opposition as well. Um, but like watching it game by game, obviously, after the Huddersfield game, absolutely buzzing. But I think part of that was the fact that Huddersfield are have been pretty terrible so far, which uh, it's hard to judge, but really optimistic after that. And then it's been a bit frustrating since then. Like you've said on, on the analysis show um, this week, really like dominating the games, um, but not converting that dominance into, into wins is um, slightly concerning, but obviously very, really, really still early. And I think another thing, um, I've, I've not... The other night, um, I think you you came up, uh, you said about company saying after the match that would you rather be the team that's like absolutely blown blown all their energy and, and come away with a point or would you be the one who's conserved their energy, kept the ball and can be fresh into the next game? And I kind of felt that as a fan as well. Like all the time that I remember supporting Burnley, especially um, under Daesh, um, well, definitely under Daesh, I were exhausted after games. I'd come back and and the stress of it all and the 
the emotions of it all. I, I really struggled to switch off for a couple of hours, like for a couple of hours after I got home. And I, I wasn't like that all the other night. I got home and like made a brew, sat down, and and just yeah went <laughs> went off to bed. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I, I, yeah, I'm struggling to get used to it at the moment. But um, as people keep saying, apart from Tom Whitaker, trust the process. Um, I've got faith, and um, and yeah, see where the journey takes us, and try and enjoy the ride. Try not to be as miserable as I've been so far, and get some of your enthusiasm. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, totally. I mean, it is good for the heart because I was the same the other night. It's almost like you've taken away, and I know, I know they scored first, but it's almost like you've sort of taken away their chance of scoring. You sort of feel, you sort of feel a lot more relaxed. It's almost like, oh, when are we going to score? It's not when are we going to concede. So it is, it is interesting to watch. And well, fingers crossed, we can pick up a. Uh, a fairly needed win this Saturday because, well, as as I did last week, listeners, I've forgotten to even say who we're playing on Saturday. But of course, we are playing Blackpool at home, a proper Lancashire derby, our first Lancashire derby of the season. Now, first things first, all you loyal listeners will know. Let's look back at the quiz question from last week and we'll give you the answer. So last time we left you with this quiz question. Can you name the two permanent Burnley managers? whose final competitive matches were in charge of the Clarets uh, in home defeats against Hull City at Turf Moor. Now, obviously, those of you who were paying attention during our Hull City preview show will recall that Tom mentioned one of the answers during that episode. So everyone should at least have got 50% on this one. I mean, otherwise, you're just not listening, are you? Um, so maybe having a listen out this week, and you never know, me or Adam might just slip up. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not uber professionals at the end of the day. But the correct answers for last week were Steve Cottrell, who was, of course, sacked after the home defeat to Hull City in November of 2007. And the other manager to lose his job was John Bond in May of 1984. A little bit before my time, that one. That one. But we did have some correct answers uh, to our quiz question last week. And the two listeners who got the answer correct last week, and a big well done to both of you, was David Entwistle and Jan Gedzalewski. So big well done on that one because certainly one of them was before my time and I wouldn't have even picked up the Steve Cottrell one. So that was last week's quiz answer. Now, before we look ahead ourselves with me and Adam to the Blackpool game, we're going to hear from our resident statistician, Dave Roberts. So take it away, Dave, with this week's championship head to head. This season will be the 59th that Burnley and Blackpool have been together in the same league. Of the previous 58, there have been 21 seasons together in the top flight, 8 in the third tier and 2 in the basement division. However, we are interested for this season's preview show in the second tier matches, and Burnley have won an impressive 17 of the previous 27 second tier meetings between the two teams at Turf Moor. That's a lot of matches to get through, so you'll perhaps forgive me if I only provide a very brief summary of the older matches and focus more on some of the more recent ones. Looking very quickly at the pre-war results at this level, Burnley achieved a hat-trick of victories between 1897 and 1901, with Tom McClintock scoring all four goals, including two penalties, in a 4-0 win in one of those games in 1901. After a draw and a couple of defeats, Burnley achieved another hat-trick of home wins over Blackpool at this level between 1905 and 1907, 
which began a run of nine unbeaten right until the mid-1930s. Blackpool did eventually win again in 1935, but that was followed by two more Burnley victories in the late 1930s. Although there were several more top-flight matches between the two teams, we didn't face Blackpool again at this level until the early 1970s. In December 1971, the Burnley Express reported that the Clarets made it in the end, as second-half goals from Steve Kindon and Martin Dobson sealed a 2-1 home win. The following season, in September 1972, Burnley took a commanding 4-0 lead, only to be pegged back to 4-3, but held on for the win during a season that ended with a second division title win and promotion back to the top flight. Following Burnley's relegation back to the second division, there was a further goalless draw and a 1-0 defeat in the late 1970s. And it wasn't until 2007 the teams met again in the championship. That match finished 2-2, with Blackpool coming from behind twice and eventually earning a point through Andy Morell's last-minute equaliser. That just leaves four more home games at this level, all of which were Burnley victories. Martin Patterson and Graham Alexander, with a penalty, were the Burnley goal scorers in a 2-0 win in September 2008, and that was followed by a 3-1 Burnley win in October 2011, with goals from Charlie Austin, Ross Wallace and Marvin Bartley. Charlie Austin scored the only goal in a 1-0 Burnley win in October 2012, and then the last meeting at Turf Moor at this level between the two teams was in December 2013. We're going to hear about that match in more detail very soon, when we bring you our memory match feature. So to summarise, Burnley have played Blackpool in 27 second-tier matches at Turf Moor, with 17 wins, 6 draws and just 4 defeats. Uh, thanks for that, Dave. It's always great to hear from you. And Adam, just picking up on that Championship head-to-head, and it was an impressive record we've actually got at home to Blackpool in the Championship. Uh, obviously, Dave's our resident statistician, and I think he gave us... I believe it was 17 wins out of 29 home games in the Championships Blackpool, which comes out at a 63% win rate. So, Adam, I mean, if we carry on that uh, trend this weekend, we'll all be happy bunnies. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, fond memories of home games against Blackpool, uh, especially in those two promotion seasons. Um, first one under Coyle, I think we'd, we'd struggled at the start and then won at Forest. Um and then first home win of the season, I think we were home to Blackpool on a Tuesday night, and it was a really good performance. Alexander, first of about 38 penalties he scored that season, and, uh, oh no, actually, I think he's got a penalty at Forest, but, and then Patterson with a, a real good strike from the edge of the box, so yeah, um, remember that game fondly, and then, um, obviously, a really pivotal game around Christmas um, for the second one, which I think might be the memory match, so I won't... Um, won't spoil it too much, but um, yeah, real, real good memories for the Blackpool home games. And the one that sticks out for me that won't be on the list because um, because it was in the third division was when I was first going watching Burnley in um, in the Stanton and promotion season. Always remember Mickey Mellon scoring from from the edge of the box, absolutely smashing it in, um, and just celebration just springs to mind like a, an old fashioned Adebayor. He ran backwards with just just pointing at his the name on his shirt towards the Blackpool fans all the way to the side of the pitch, and he played a lot of games for Blackpool. So it were and I, I, it must have left under some sort of controversy because 
he really gave it to him and uh, gave us a crucial one nil win. Um, so yeah, yeah, good good memories. Hope we can carry it on this weekend. Ever a professional, ever a professionals here. Me and Adam have just smoothly transitioned onto the next section, which is of course played for both. Now, Adam, you've just mentioned Mickey Mellon there. I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the graph which Dave has knocked up here, and Mickey Mellon played 125 games in total in the league for Blackpool. Uh, and listeners, if you do want to go and have a look at which players have played for both, we've got a full list for you uh, on Dave Roberts' Twitter account. Now, if you want to go and have a look at that, Dave on Twitter is, and I'm just getting up his, his tag, it's, it's at D-L-R-B-R-T-S. Or if you search for Burnley Stats, Dave Roberts, you'll find him. And on there, Dave has tweeted a full list of the, the players who have played for both Burnley and Blackpool. But looking at the list in front of you, Adam, are there any, apart from Mickey Mellon, names that spring to mind, any surprises, any any legends? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's plenty of legends and there are a lot more than I, I probably thought. There's like some, more, some for everyone. Like my dad's told me all about like Jimmy Robson, Willie Morgan, um, Paul Fletcher, Peter Noble, Mike, Mike Summerbeck, some some real real top names up there for when um, when we were at the top table of English football in the 60s. Uh, and then, like yeah, more recently, um, obviously a man that appeared last week, Andy Payton, um, I wasn't aware that David Ayres or Gary Parkinson played. They probably played at Blackpool before Burnley, but again, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Um, and then, yeah, more recently, uh, Joe Hart and um, who else is there? A few, Joe Hart, Stephen Caldwell, um, Chris Eagles, Patterson. There's quite quite a few links that I wasn't aware of. So I, I really like this feature. It, um it springs up some surprises for me every week. So, yeah, um, I'd say the one for me is Mickey Mellon, uh, just because just of the uh, fond memories of, of that season and the following championship seasons. Uh, but, yeah, what about you? Well, like likewise with you, I thought Joe Hart, that absolutely came out of the blue. I had no idea Joe Hart had played at Bloomfield Road. Um, looking a bit further up the list, in my time, of course, I was very much aware of Nathan Alfonso. I mean, he was there for... I'm looking at this list now, 215 games he played for Blackpool. He never really, he was on loan with us, wasn't he? He never really got hit the ground running. I think he played about, yeah, just over 10 games. Complete opposite, of course, to Martin Patterson, who was an absolutely brilliant player. I mean, the memories of him in that championship promotion season and uh, the seasons around that, you know, fantastic to watch. But yeah, Joe Hart, that's that's a really weird one. A really weird one. I'm just looking at the list now and it's, uh, yeah, that, that really did surprise me. But I tell you what, the one that jumped out for me was almost a, a surprise in that it just showed how his career fell off was Chris Eagles. I mean, 143 games in total for Burnley. He was one of my favourite players growing up. I had GP for George Poole, uh, 33 stitched into my my total 90 boots because I thought I was Chris Eagles running down the wing uh, with a long hair in tow. But yeah, a real career fall off, and I, I think I believe he's retired now. And uh, yeah, he made seven appearances for Blackpool at one point. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that, and yeah, his career really did um, fall off after after Bolton. A bit of a surprise, really. But some some players uh, do go that way, don't they? When it must have must have been um, like attitude, because I don't think well, not attitude. He's obviously made the decision, and his heart's not fully in it because I don't think it were injury related. So yeah, really. Um, Disappointing to well, I say disappointing. Anyone who moved from Burnley to Bolton in that period probably wasn't uh, 
uh, everyone's cup of tea. But um, yeah, brilliant for us, integral to uh, signing in that that promotion season. Yeah, I really, I really, I, to be honest, even though obviously he moved to Bolton, I still hold very much fond memories of Eagles. Just how he, I think it was mentioned by uh, Charlotte in the analysis show the other week when somehow we popped this up, but he was just so different to everything we had at the time. It was, it was like almost at the time, the new era of this tricky winger coming to Turf Moor. And yeah, boy, did he light it up at times. Uh, but Adam, you mentioned it earlier, this week's memory match, we're going to hand back over to Dave to hear all about Burnley versus Blackpool in December of 2013. Take it away, Dave. As we mentioned earlier, the last season Burnley played Blackpool was 2013-14, and the match at Turf Moor took place on the weekend just before Christmas, on Saturday the 21st of December 2013. Sean Dyche was in charge of the Clarets and Paul Ince was in the Blackpool hot seat with his son Tom Ince in the Tangerines' starting lineup, It was Burnley who took an early lead in the seventh minute after a clever corner routine. Attacking the cricket field end, Burnley won a corner on the right. From the flag kick, David Jones played the ball low across the box to an unmarked Danny Ings, who powered a low shot past Matt Jilts from 15 yards. Blackpool's equaliser also came from a corner. Tom Ince swung the ball in, and Tom Heaton was unable to keep out Craig Cathcart's header as the visitors made it 1-1. Burnley's winner came early in the second half. Following another David Jones corner on the left, Ben Mee played the ball to Scott Arfield, who curled a shot past Jilts from the corner of the box to delight the Turf Moor crowd. That victory took Burnley to 43 points and to the top of the table for Christmas, one point ahead of QPR and Leicester City on 42 points each. We also did the double over Blackpool that season, following up this victory with a vital 1-0 win at Bloomfield Road on Good Friday. And we were eventually promoted after finishing second behind Leicester City. Although we are still in the very early stages of this season, a victory over one of our Lancashire rivals this weekend would lift morale and be a real boost ahead of a short break from league hostilities, as we take a trip to Shrewsbury to face them in the League Cup next Tuesday. And that, listeners, is this week's memory match. A really important game at the time. And like Dave said, we went top of the league. And, uh, well, Adam was telling me off air, he went out in Halifax afterwards. So, you know, if we have half half the luck on Saturday, it'll be a good evening for everyone. Now, listeners, we said the same last week. We don't just want to hear from the Burnley perspective on the preview show. That wouldn't be fair. And we do want to hear from the opposition view. And this week's opposition view is provided by the Seasiders podcast. So thanks, guys, for calling in, in some ways, to the No Name Ever podcast this week. So here's the Seasiders podcast with the opposition view. Uh, greetings, uh, all you Burnley fans out there. John from the Seasiders podcast there, Blackpool fan. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, the No Never pod have reached out to, to us, asking for our thoughts on the uh, the Lancashire Derby that's coming up this weekend. So here it is, bit of a insight into Blackpool. I know you've not played us for ages, but good to have one of the main derbies back on. Looking forward to it. Anyway, um, what have I made of our start to the season? So we've played for one, two, lost two. Um, first game we thought was a bit of a free hit against Reading because they were a bit all over the place, but they've they've gone and beaten your good friends down at Enewood Park at the weekend. So 
kind of thought that was a free hit, that 1-0 win against Reading. But, you know, what? it was three points, good win, good start to the day. We followed that up with a, uh, a not-so-great away performance at, uh, it, was, it was at Hull, sorry, Stoke. So we got comprehensively beaten by Stoke 2-0. Um, after that, we went to, try to think, Barrow. We lost at home to Barrow in the <laughs> Carabao Cup. Um, completely outplayed them, but uh, lost on pens. But that, that competition is what it is. Uh, then we've played Swansea at home. This game we've lost 1-0. Probably, in fact, we did deserve to win the game. We sat back in the first half. Um, it was the day with the 30-degree heat. So it was a bit of an anomaly in that regard. But we sat back and just let Swansea do what they do, i.e. keep the ball in their own half uh, and play pretty triangles for the majority of the game in their own half, which is what they did. So the first half was a bit um, lacklustre. But then we came out, all guns blazing in the second half. Um, heavy press. Completely pressed their defence. We dominated the second half. Deserved to win the game. Josh Bowers missed um, a couple of sitters. Jerry Mates has missed a pen. And then right at the death, have gone down under end and scored. So it was kind of a, an overreaction from the Blackpool fans. As a lot of the fan base weren't happy. But we, we didn't deserve to lay, lose the game. A draw would have been a fair result. Possibly we should have won. Um, and then we've followed up with a, a brilliant win away at QPR on Tuesday night at uh, a ground where we've not lost, so we've not won in 50 years. So it was a brilliant result, um, a consummate performance, away performance. Um, but yeah, um, the start's been, from a point, points total, we are ahead of Burnley, I've just noticed, which I was surprised with. Um, we're six points, you're on five. Um, as I mentioned, we've not won at QPR in 50 years. That record's gone to bed. Swansea haven't won at Blackpool, Blumford Road since nineteen early 70s, I believe. So that's another 50-year record. And um, now coming on to match prediction, I have never, I'm, I'm in my late 40s, and I'm, I have never seen us win at Turf more ever. Throughout all those games when we played each other in the third and fourth divisions, I've never seen us win. So as records are tumbling, these 50-year records, um, these things come in threes. So I'm going to go for a 1-0 Blackpool win. I think it's going to be a tight game. I'm quite worried by your um, forward line. You've got very similar strikers, Barnes and Jay Rodriguez and Twine, new sign. I'm quite jealous that you've signed him because I wanted him for us. Not that they never come us. But yeah, I think I think it'll be a smashing grab to Blackpool. So we're going for 1-0 because I've never seen us win at Turf Moor. Hopefully this record goes. Um, as for Burnley, um, it's going to be strange not seeing... Strange not saying what's his name. <laughs> He's been there for so long, I've forgotten his name. Sean Dyche. It's been weird not seeing Sean Dyche there. Vincent Company in charge. Who knows how this will work out, you know. Um, big name player. Do they necessarily make good, good managers? Time will tell, I guess. Um, yeah, so anyway, looking forward to the game. Looking forward to going to Burnley Way. Not been there in ages. Um, a 1-0 prediction. Take it with a pinch of salt because we never win. At Burnley. All right, guys. Um, good luck for the rest of the season. Apart from when we play you, and uh, made the best team win. Hopefully, I'll see you later. Cheers, guys, for that. Really good to hear from you. Now, Adam, we'll move on to a bit of analysis of the the pre-match. And first off, first things first, let's talk about the referee. 
Now, the referee for this game is Keith Stroud of Bournemouth, who will be in charge for the game on Saturday afternoon. Now, he hasn't actually refereed a Burnley match since Scott Arfield put the ball in the, let's say, the opposition's net, just down the M65, in a 1-0 win for the Clarets at Ewood Park in October 2015. Now, he's shown two red cards in his previous eight Burnley matches, and both, unfortunately, were to Burnley players. One was Clark Carlisle, and the other one was to Steve Coldwell. So, centre-backs, watch your backs this Saturday. Now, overall, Burnley have won three, drawn four, and lost just one of Keith Stroud's previous match in charge, surprisingly, surprisingly enough, given the, the red cards. Uh, but, Adam, I mean, before we go on to discuss Blackpool, another Lancashire derby there, and the Lancashire derby, Scott Arfield, 1-0, October 2015 at Ewood Park. Memories, please. Uh, this is a sore subject, this, George. Um, I can't. I've been to all the um, all the Ewood Park games uh, growing up, uh, and like, obviously we were awful for the first part part of my life. And then obviously Danny Ings um, and Jason Shackle changed that glorious day in 2014. And um, despite um, my warnings, uh, my wife booked a holiday um, and didn't get me back on. Didn't book the holiday in time. Well correctly and I was in the air so I couldn't know like I couldn't go and I couldn't watch it um so what I did for for that game was uh ask my um in-laws to record it for me on sky and I watched it about three hours later with not knowing the score so I were like locked myself away uh made sure I didn't check check my phone didn't do anything uh so yeah that's that's my abiding memory of uh, of that match but um I don't have many memories of Keith Stroud, to be honest. I, mean, I know who he is. He's a bit of a character of a referee, a bit of a disciplinarian, but um, I don't remember any any howls in games featuring us, probably because it's been quite a while. So, um, But thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that up, George. See, listeners, this is why I'm straight, staying clear of a relationship. I mean, they're knocking on my door, but I'm just saying absolutely no chance. <laughs> There's no chance of... Uh, any missed bookings and missing the uh, the Rovers game. So thanks, Adam, for a reminder of why exactly I am doing that. I didn't realise, listeners, that that was going to be the answer, but boy, has it made my night just seeing Adam squirm and, and remembering that, that occasion. But this time around, we are playing Blackpool and it's on Saturday at 3pm. Now, Adam, to, to be honest, I've been, I don't I don't want to say pleasant, pleasantly surprised, but I don't feel a particular you know, really strong rivalry against Blackpool. They've started the season in good form. Yeah, I think it's been, it's summed up the championship just these first few weeks that a few times, like Reading go to Rotherham and get battered 4-0. And then um be a shame for me not to mention that they beat, uh, that Reading hammered Blackburn last night 3-0. Um, so you just never, you just never know in this league. But um, no, no, no real hard feelings towards towards Blackpool. Out of all the the Lancashire rivals, I'd probably say uh, the least. People who followed us in like the early nineties and late eighties, when we were probably playing them more in the lower leagues, might have some of the memories. But yeah, personally, it's pretty positive, especially with the um, success we've had over them and that um, victory on the way to uh, to promotion at Bloomfield Road. Um, with Kylie scoring, it's it's pretty fun memories to be, to be fair. Yeah. Now, listeners, for those of you who haven't seen the the championship table recently, and you know I don't blame you. We're not we're not 
We haven't started in blistering form. Uh, Blackpool are currently ninth and they've won two of their four games with each victory uh, separated by two losses in between. Uh, now, it's quite interesting, Adam. We've sort of, we were looking forward to this season and the derbies like this, but as, uh, as our good colleague Richard Steele tweeted the other day, we're currently behind Blackpool, Preston and Blackburn in the championship table. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. Maybe maybe the way that we've um, we've played before our style of play before derbies have probably suited it. Like you up the tempo, get stuck into them, uh, use our physicality, and and really like strong jaw dominate teams that way. Whereas I think it's a bit different this time. Um, I think a lot of it is is on us. Can we keep our cool? Can we keep playing the same game? If it's a derby and if it's not a derby, uh, people are going to try and do what we've done to other teams down the years. And um, I think the one real positive that I've that I've taken from the start of this season is if we do get the small things right, then I believe we are one of the best, if not the best team, footballing team in the division, and should um, should dominate and be able to win most games if we find that cutting edge. So I'm probably going into the derbies, and it's very early days still, but going into this derby, I'm not panicking or looking at what Blackpool can do. I'm more concerned on, on whether we can turn the chances into goals um, and obviously try not to let them score from their only shot on target. But uh, I think a part of that, I heard the analysis show the other night were really good, but um, I think one of the reasons we are conceding a lot of goals um, against chances is I think the way we play the chances are if we are, if we do give a chance away it's more likely to be a big chance than uh, the way that we defended previously but um, yeah the way we've limited teams other than other than those um, goals that we've conceded have been been great I feel really comfortable watching us defend um, at the moment so yeah let's um, Let's hope we can uh, we can find that cutting edge on on Saturday and put Blackpool to the sword and get back above them in the table. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, would you expect us to to go there and play in the same sort of way we are coming away from the game with whatever the result may be? You know, over seventy percent possession, that sort of that real domineering uh, style of play. Uh, do I expect that? So just just broke it. yeah yeah. I think I don't think com- companies played this. This style of football, Anderlet for three years, I think he's played under it um, at City for a lot of years. He clearly has faith in it. We've we've managed to get an identity really, like go really quickly. The the fact that he's got these ideas into the player so quickly is is admirable. So I, I can't see him moving away from from that after after three games without a win when we have probably deserved, um, well, definitely deserved to win two of them and at least a draw at Watford. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't see us approaching the game any differently. I think it's just the the question of the personnel um, who fit into that. Yeah, certainly I, I'm the same. I, you know, I think it's sort of almost expected now. The fact that we went to Watford and had something like 65%, 70% possession at Watford. And for me, Watford looked like so far probably the best team in the league. You know, apart from Dennis and... Okay, Sars looking towards the way out, but they've not really lost their core group of players from the Premier League, whereas we certainly have. And I feel like, yeah, like as much as Tom and other people might hate it, you have got to trust the process, as they say, or just just be patient, really. 
Adam, obviously you've not been on the, the analysis show so far this season, so we haven't heard you too much about the, uh, the the games that we have played. Now, before we go into the personnel changes that might occur on Saturday, are you confident in that we will we will create chances and we will score goals, or do you think this is a real issue with this team? Because, you know, like we've seen so far, we've only scored three goals in four games. It has been an issue. Yeah, but I do have confidence it will start to click and we will start, they'll start to understand each other and, and understand the system as we go through. Um, and I think a massive thing, which um, I can't remember if it were um, you or Charlotte mentioned the other night, um, the first goal is huge in any game, but it's the way that we're playing, it's absolutely massive. We get the first goal in a game, it's going to be so difficult for teams to, to then break us down. We don't have to take the chances, but we can still have control of the ball. We saw that at Huddersfield, how we cruised to victory that game and should have should have scored more goals. Teams are more likely to open up and we'll find that space. Um the, the yeah, the real another it's a negative that we've conceded first in the next three, but the fact that we've not lost two of them, there's got to be some positives out of that. Um so yeah, first goal's massive, and hopefully we will start seeing us then cut teams apart um but yeah Luton and um, Luton and Hull in particular once they've been a goal up it's just give them something to defend and like you mentioned the other night 15 the last 15 minutes were I found particularly difficult to watch um because you're not a threat you don't seem a threat from set pieces um and we're just passing it side to side not and they're just sat deep and it's really difficult to break down but um yeah, I do. I do think we'll um, we'll get there. Um, and just re- repeat what you said, really. But patience, and I'm struggling with it. But we've got to look at the bigger picture. I'll still be annoyed if we draw or lose a game at this level. Um, but yeah, you've got to look at the bigger picture and um, and hope we can put a run together. Certainly, and it is something that I noticed. Company uh, said in his press conference today. He said. Apart from Huddersfield, we've not had the chance to to be on top of a team and 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 really be able to take them to the sword because against Huddersfield, it's our first game of the season. But since then, we've we've gone behind in all three games, and it just means, yeah, it suits the it suits the opposition. They can then sit back and become really compact and just try and defend that lead. Now, if we do take uh, the lead on Saturday. Blackpool will have to come out at us. They will have to open up their shape. And it's it's with our quick passing and our amount of possession that we're waiting for them to lose their shape and then, then we can take advantage like we did the other night with Matson uh, and then crossing the ball to Rodriguez. Those are the kind of goals which you see City. And I know it's an easy comparison, but it's a comparison to make for a reason because of company. When teams have to come out at City, they can just absolutely just tear them to shreds. They really can. So I'm I'm hoping for similar for us this season. And yeah, I agree that that first goal was a really important one. Uh, but it is encouraging that we've been able to come back from behind two thirds of the time so far this season. Now, Adam, in terms of the, the team itself, obviously we saw on Tuesday night, we saw Jack Court coming back into the team. We saw Vitinho starting and we saw Jay Rodriguez coming into the team for the first time this season. Would there be any changes for from you for the lineup on Saturday, and if so, why? Um, I think the the only uh, J Rod, if he's fit, has got to start in in this system in particular. 
is is our best option um, up front over over Ashley Barnes. Um, but I think behind that, it's it's probably it's difficult because none of them have, apart from Brownhill, which is probably and well Brownhill, Court, Cullen are going to be three. It's it's that other other player and whether it's um, on the wing. Sorry, it's whether it's Bastian stays there or Bastian moves into one of the central roles, which didn't really work at Watford when Court dropped out. Um, Benson obviously showed glimpses against Luton, but then hasn't really uh, cut it since. End product really wasn't there the other night when he came on. Um, but again, it's early days. Uh, you can't expect uh, the YouTube uh, videos that I've watched to just come to fruition straight away. Uh, Taylor, I think, had an encouraging five or so minutes and went went a bit quiet when uh, when we were struggling to break him down. But I wouldn't mind him giving a shot. I think I'd, I'd, it's a much of a muchness um, between... Teller, Vitinho, Benson. Um, I hope it is, and then Bastian, sorry, two of those four. Um, the temptation is to change it, but I'd, I wouldn't mind um, if he started with the same two, so Vitinho and uh, and Bastian. Um, because we've got that, we've got the tactic now, we get the ball, we don't really need a left winger because Matson's up and down there. As soon as we get the ball, the other three tuck in and he's off. So right hand side, yeah, we've got Vitinha or Benson, um, and then left hand side, Matson's basically a winger in this system anyway. So um, they've shown glimmers of what they can do so far, but um, I think the one who will stay in the team is obviously the one who starts showing showing cons- consistency the soonest. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point actually. I'd not thought about about Bastian because for me, before before you said that, I was I was probably tempted to. Maybe put Bastian onto the bench if Teller's up to speed by now. And I was impressed by him on Tuesday night. But like you say, the fact that Bastian's drifting central because that's more what he's, he's used to. He's a central midfielder at the end of the day. He's not a winger. It does allow that space to open up on the wing for Matson to get forward. So it would be interesting to to see whether that's something company has told Bastian Bastian to do. Though though thinking about it, I remember at Watford. Um, Costello was almost hugging that wing at times. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure that it would be interesting whether the company does tell Bastian, you slot in because it gives Matson that that opportunity to uh, go forward at his own will on the left-hand side. But yeah, for me, for the team, like you say, Jay Rodriguez has got to start. I think uh, apart from that, yeah, I, I wasn't particularly impressed by the team the other night, but he's been... I'd say he's had two good performances, whereas Benson's maybe only had one good performance so far um, against Luton. So, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. Like you say, it's a bit of a much of a muchness, which isn't a, a knock on any of them. They're just new players to the league. They're going to take time to they're going to take time to get used to it. So, yeah, we'll see on Saturday. But as long as Jay Rodriguez starts, that will make me very happy because it's just a joy to watch him in that sort of system the other night. And the same with... Taylor Howard Bellis, and you see, I'm a pro here, listeners, because I've transitioned onto our stat of the week, which uh, comes from Dave this week again. So, Dave, take it away with this week's stat of the week, focused on Taylor Howard Bellis and the passing range of Vincent Company's Burnley. Taylor Howard Bellis was announced as man of the match in the 1-1 draw against Hull City on Tuesday night. And stats show that he achieved exactly 100 completed passes out of 111 he attempted, a 
completion rate of 90%. Our approach under Vincent Company means that Burnley have averaged 528 completed passes in the first four matches of this season, with a high of 653 for the match against Hull. This compares with an average of just 250 for the whole of last season. The lowest in the last campaign was just 153 completed passes recorded in the away match against Arsenal. Nice one. Thanks for that, Dave. And yeah, Adam, this week's stat of the week all about the amount of passes we have in a game. And uh, I suppose it really hints at the, the possession we've had in a game. Now, I see a few mumbles on social media of people not too happy with the possession. They'd say, well, let's sacrifice possession and let's really bump up the number of chances that we're creating. Is Are you enjoying the, watching all this possession football so far or is it a little bit almost a bit frustrating sometimes where we aren't creating chances? But those two don't have to be mutually exclusive, I suppose. No, I'm going to say, I, I'm, not, I'm going to try not to contradict myself, but um, say that obviously the more of the ball we've got, um, the less chance we have of conceding, the more control we've got of the game. Um, but on the other hand, at the moment, are we doing enough with it? Probably not. There's been occasions in all the games I've been to so far where I've I've been on the like on the cusp of being a bit bored. Um, but it's it really does split opinion, um, and not I don't think it's a bad thing to have have the conversation. Right, I left the game the other day frustrated that we hadn't won, um, and frustrated with. Um, some of some of the elements of the play, um, and yet my father-in-law who I went with were absolutely buzzing. They were like that football, it's liquid football. It's like it's, I, lo- I love it. It's brilliant watching Burnley play it like this, and yeah, it, it's just um, yeah. I think I'm just I'm used to. I think one of Sean Dyche's main things. I need to move on from Sean Dyche. I can't. I can't. It's like a sorry love story at the moment, but. Um, you always knew when we had the ball, there was always an intention to score a goal. And yeah, I'm sure there is with company. He's said it a few times in his press conferences, but it's just hard to watch slow sideways passing from side to side. To, and I understand what they're trying to do, but when there's no cutting edge and you can see that the defence are dealing with it comfortably and they've time wasted, done, done all the stuff that we've done over the years and been successful with it, nicked a goal, it's just... It's really frustrating, um, so I'm, I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll get used to it, and I do see the positives in it. Um, but have I absolutely loved it so far? No, but I'll let you um, give the other side to that if you want. Yeah, that is that's funny because I, I'm sort of exactly the same as you in that. Um, my dad's loved it so far. Like every time I've yeah, I've not been able to go to the last uh, last the, the the week the game at the week at the game on Tuesday night. Sorry, I wasn't able to go, but I. My dad rung me afterwards and was saying, "Yeah, it was good. It's just really good to watch, isn't it? That the the way we're dominating a team with the amount of passing we're doing." And I'm I've been pleasantly surprised so far by what I've seen this season. I I thought before before the season started, I really to be honest, I don't really. And I've said this on the podcast before. I don't really like watching Man City all too much. I do like you say. I find it sort of passing for passing's sake. But I feel like maybe when you're emotionally connected to the game you're invested in it a bit more. It's it's not so much of a, a passive experience, so to, so to say. Um, so I've actually enjoyed it. And you, you're sort of willing them forward every time. And look, it, it's like you said before, it's more just feel, a feeling of relaxation of, oh my gosh, it's not, 
wave after wave of opposition attacks. So, no, I've I've enjoyed watching it. And, well, one player in particular who I enjoyed watching on Tuesday, Taylor Howard Bellis, obviously mentioned by Dave there. So, long may his good form continue. Talking of good form, Adam, I'm sure we're going to, we're going to, bring you right up to speed in top-notch form here because we're moving on to your bread and butter, the Fantasy Premier League. Now, Adam, what have you got to tell us this week? Uh, yeah, really eventful week, um, Fantasy Premier League-wise. Um, start off with the team of the week, some massive points this week. Uh, this team uh, would have got you yeah, 143 points, um, which is more than I've got over the two weeks, I think. Um, but yeah, it was Jose Sarr in goal after saving last week's hero uh, Mitrovic's penalty uh, for Wolves. Um, so I should say they line up in a 3-5-2 formation. Uh, Burnley legend Ben Mee um, scoring and keeping a clean sheet against uh, against Manchester United. Don't know just break there. How does it feel, George, watching, watching him? I, I was just completely torn. It was great seeing him do so well. Because obviously we'll always always love him, but seeing him in that Brentfordshire, were, it was were pretty strange. But I, I couldn't help but be happy for him, other than my, the fact that my wife's a Man United fan. So you could call it revenge for would part 2015. But I was secretly quite happy with uh, with what happened on uh, Saturday evening. But yeah, what what do you make of it? It's, it's it is it is odd. You know what? Sometimes, like with the dice thing, I'm like you. It's like a sorry breakup, and every time. I hear him speaking on a podcast. I'm like, I just want him to go back. But with Ben Me, it's a bit, it's it's a weird one in that I'm sort of content and and not. I don't want to say over it like it is a breakup, but I think just the fact that I've watched us play in company style so far, I do see. You know, Ben Me would have wanted to play Premier League football, but if he'd have stayed, look, he's a brilliant defender. Would he have suited that passing game? Not a chance. You know, there is not a chance he'd have suited that 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 style of football. So I'm sort of sending him on his well wishes now saying that the only bitterness i have from the week from the, the this game week is that ben me was sat on my fantasy bench because of course i saw well they're against united you know united will probably score one or two goals i mean it's united even if they're rubbish they'll sc- still score against brentford but no he's sat on my bench with a, a hefty 14 points whilst zinchenko and lamptey have scored a point apiece <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, a lot of Burnley fans will have probably done well on Fantasy Premier League this week, uh, putting Ben Mee in the team. I think uh, the No Name Ever League will have benefited from that more than more than most leagues. Um, but carrying on in defence, uh, Cancelo uh, got an assist and a clean sheet for Manchester City in their um, 4-0 win over Bournemouth. Uh, and completing the li- back, back line-up is uh, Joel Veltman from Brighton. Um, another positive result for them um, at home to Newcastle. Uh, well, nil-nil draw. Pope having a having a very good game. More memories, um, and then moving into midfield, the top scorer in the whole game so far um, starts the lineup in midfield. Do you want to guess who that is, George? Oh, um, you know what? I don't want to. I don't. I've got De Bruyne in my team, but I don't think it was. I mean, if he got one assist, I think it would be someone with a, a, a bit more of an impact on the game than that. It, it was Rodrigo from Leeds has scored. Three and two game weeks, um, 15 points made in the top scorer this, oh, second top scorer this week, sorry. Uh, and the overall game top scorer after two game weeks. Um, probably wouldn't rush to get Leeds players in your team, but if there is one, it's probably him. Um, and then 
Jensen from Brentford uh, on the score sheet against Manchester United and grabbing an assist, 14 points, same as the aforementioned Kevin De Bruyne. Um, goal, assist, bonus points, 14 points. Granite Xhaka, who um, I advised my wife not to put in a fancy team this week, scored 12 points. Uh, you can tell, our, well, yeah, I don't know how long this marriage is going to last, to be honest. Um, and then completing the lineup in midfield is uh, Pierre-Emerick Hoiberg um, after a goal at Chelsea and um, the maximum bonus points. Up front, um, star of the week and star of Natalie Bromley's bench, um, Jesus with two goals and two assists and 19 points. Um, and alongside him was Ollie Watkins um, with, I think it was two assists in Villa's win over Everton. Um, so yeah, that would have got you 143 points. Moving on to the No Near Never top 10. So in joint 10th place are Adam Kay and Liam Kellington on 157 points. Aidan Laird is in eighth with 158 points. Connor Ward, seventh with 159 points. Sam Grocott in sixth with 160 points. Um, Jack Greenolsh um, in fifth with 162 points. Joint third are Rupert Booth and um, someone who's done well previously, uh, Ursay, with 165 points. Second place is Brad Banks with 166 points. And with a massive 97 points this week and moving on to 170 in the overall no-name-ever lead and leader of, obviously, the August Manager of the Month so far is Sam Lee uh, with his long sider team with uh, 170 points. Um, so, yeah, um, on to the Podcasters League. How, uh, how do you think you're getting on so far, George? Well, I'm just going to pause you there. I'm still, I'm still absolutely blown away that my mate Liam Kellington has made the top ten of any league. I mean, the guy, the guy's a muppet. I don't know, I don't know how he's made the top ten. I've just had a little gander at his team, and I, I'm, I'm really, I'm not happy with that because he's going to load that over me next time I see him. I mean, look, I'll just say this: the sooner he, he goes to Australia for a year, the, the better. I know, he, I know it's mid September, but please, Liam, bring it forward. Get, get him out of this country. I'll have a word with his brother Daniel because we can't be having this top ten. Ridiculous. But in terms of the no name never league, I must admit I had a sneaky look because I've actually like paid attention to my team this season so far. So I thought, you know what, I might be doing all right. But yeah, look, I know you're going to quickly kibosh that theory because I did have a sneaky look and I thought, you know what, it's not going all too well so far. <laughs> no, so um, raising everyone else's morale um, are Natalie Bromley's Dingle Bells uh, with 86 points in ninth place. Uh, George, um, propping up the rest um, with 102 points and 50 this game week. Would have been a lot different if he'd have uh, had faith in Ben Mee. Um, new, uh, newbie Charlotte Rigby moving up the table with a really impressive 81 points. Um, moving up to seventh with 124. Robbie Kopak in sixth. Richard Steele fifth. Luke Lambert, last year's league winner. Um, overall, no name ever winner. So again, entry into this league. Uh, in fourth place, myself in third, Matt Moss, who also beat me in the head-to-head this week um, with a league high score of 85. Um, in second place, and leading the way, last year's cup winner um, and early favourite for uh, for the uh, Podcasters League is Lee Banks. I can't believe that. I mean, the, the only thing with my team, I've just been, I've just been having a look over it, is that 
at the start of the season, so I started the season, Adam, with Kane. I chose Kane. I stuck with him. I picked him over Haaland. I thought Haaland will have a little settling in period. Well, that was that was quickly proven wrong at West Ham. So then I panicked. I thought, right, I'm taking Kane out and I'm putting Haaland in. But the issue I still have is that <clears throat> I've got three strikers in my squad. I've got Haaland. I've got Edward from Palace just as a little a little low points figure. But then I've also got Alvarez as well, the other city striker. So I'm sort of I'm sort of stuck in a way because obviously one of them strikers is not going to start every week. But in an ideal world, I'd just love to have Jesus, but I don't think I can fit Salah, De Bruyne, Haaland and Jesus all in one team. It's just not possible. No, you've, you've, gone, you've gone big, which in your tactic of making like three transfers over the whole season probably isn't the worst, to be honest, because they will rack you up some points at... Um, at some point in the season. I did exactly the same as you. Kane game week one, Haaland game week two, and it, obviously the complete opposite of what you'd expect happened. And uh, it's just one of them things. There are um, a few players this week. We've done the team of the week, but there are more more players this week than I think ever before got minus points. So Dina and Salah, uh, got own goals. Mitrovic missed a penalty. Rice missed a penalty. And obviously Darwin, um, got himself sent off with a really, really silly headbutt. Um, and one of our players who interacts with us a lot um, just started playing this season, Mark Gibbons, uh, was unlucky enough to have Mitrovic, who missed a penalty, um, Darwin, who got sent off, and Rice, who missed a penalty. Otherwise, it, like, he, had a, he had a decent, he still had a better week than, um, than Natalie, but he's so unlucky. And like, say he's just started playing the game, if um, just keep going, Mark. Don't be put off. It can happen. Just laugh and move on. Um, but yeah, I think uh, one thing I'll I'll tweet after this or get known in to tweet is uh, something I always pay attention to is fixtures and um, like teams with the best fixtures coming up. Um, got a little matrix and easy easy to understand picture for when you're targeting your your transfers and your and your captains for the next few weeks. So I'll get that out on on social media. Uh, and just one other shout out, um, Shane Poole managed to score 104 points this week by triple captain Kevin De Bruyne getting him 42 points. So I think that's the first one of our known in ever league into the 100 club this season. So shout out for Shane. Nice one. A fellow Poole doing well. Might uh, might provide me some inspiration for this this coming week. Uh, you never know, I might turn it round yet. But Adam, for, for listeners who want to join the Fantasy League and haven't done yet, uh, what's the code and how do they join? So yeah, first a thank you. I think it's the first time we've ever ever hit 400 um, members of the league. Um, so really, really great stuff. There's still time to enter. Uh, just go onto the Fantasy Premier League website. Even if you've already created a team, um, your points will still be valid. Um, we're not going to close the league until the end of August. And the code is 96N4JK, um, which is all in lowercase and again with that um when we tweet it out i'll make sure that's on the on the tweet for the fantasy premier league terrific and uh yeah thanks for that adam and it's really good to have a live fantasy premier league update this week it's been brilliant uh but listeners you'll know we finish with the quiz question now you know what this time around we haven't actually spoiled one of the answers so you know what? i'm giving myself a big pat on the back this week uh so in terms of the quiz question this week uh, it relates to Burnley's home form during our two previous championship campaigns. So, are you listening? How many home games did Burnley win out of the 46 championship matches played at Turf Moor 
during the 2013, 14 and 15, 16 seasons combined. So that's out of the 46 championship home games uh, during our last two promotion campaigns. How many home games did we win in total? So was it two? Was it 46? You tell us. Get in touch on social media. You can direct us, direct messages on Twitter. Uh, try not to reply to the tweet itself because, you know, you'll always get them sneaky people who try and steal your answers. Uh, so, you know, keep them hidden. Send us a direct message or you can email us at podcast at net, and we'll shout out those who get the answer right next week. Uh, I don't think I have a, 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 a real chance of that at all, Adam. What about you? Have you got a, don't tell us, but have you got a, a good feeling about answering that correctly this week with just one guess? Yeah. Uh... No, uh, I'd probably I'd hope to be within two or three, but it would be it would be a guess. And if I got it bang on, it'd be more luck than than anything else. But um, obviously, we've had two really really good um, good home records those two seasons. Not to give too much away, but um, yeah, I'll I'll definitely submit an answer and see if I'm on the uh, on the honors list next week. Yeah, someday we'll make that honors board, which is up in uh, No Name Ever HQ. Uh, for me, it won't be this week, I'll tell you that much. But listeners, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Thanks, of course, go to Adam, who's joined the show live for the first time this season. It's good to have him back. And thank you, of course, to producer Matt, as always, because listeners, this might have sounded like a smooth episode to you. But let me tell you, it was anything but behind the scenes. I think it's it's now quarter past ten on a Thursday night. So we're all a little tired here in the studio. So thank you, Matt, for stitching it all together. And thanks as ever to George Gaskell for the music, uh, which you'll hear throughout the episode. But the biggest thanks, as always, go to the listeners. Thanks for sticking with us this week. And you know what? Let's look forward to a really good home game on Saturday against Blackpool. I know there's been some, you know, some angst in the uh, the, the the issue with the standing at, at Turf Moor in, in recent weeks. But for those of you who do manage to get to Turf on Saturday, give them a good reception. Hopefully, we can get that first goal and. Uh, just from me, there'll be a keep your eyes out on social media because there'll be a, a statement from the Clarets Trust on the standing issue in the uh, by the time you by the time you're listening to this. So check that out on the Clarets Trust social media. But in the meantime, up the Clarets. Let's hope for a win on Saturday. I think if we get a win, we can really kickstart our season. And it's all about confidence, really. We know that in the Championship game games Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. If we can take some confidence, we can really get on a roll. So thanks everyone for listening. Until next time. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.